0: leadership team you need in the business to help you grow, the training culture that you need within the business, the the platform, the governance, the infrastructure, I think people underestimate the impact that those things have because they're vital
1: for scale. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. My special guest today is James Kahn. James is a serial entrepreneur, he's an investor, he's a former panelist on the hit TV series Dragon's Den. He founded two recruitment companies with combined revenue of a billion pounds, which were Alexander Mann Solutions and Humana International. He set up his own private equity firm. In 2004, he set up Hamilton Bradshaw. In 2014, he launched Recruitment Entrepreneur. To date, Recruitment Entrepreneur has enabled 32 founders to launch and scale 22 different recruitment businesses. This is James' second appearance on The Resilient Recruiter. James, welcome back. Great to see you again. Good morning. Good morning. Delighted to be back,
0: Mark. Delighted to be back. I've missed you.
1: (laughs) Well, it was um, about eight or nine months ago that we last spoke, and um, a lot's changed in the market since then, by the way, for those uh, listeners who haven't already heard our previous conversation, that was episode 81. I highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, James shared the 10 characteristics of highly successful recruitment entrepreneurs. And that was a really fun and interesting uh, interview. So, What's your perspective on the recruitment market of 2022 compared to 2021, James?
0: I mean, we kicked off, Mark, with an outstanding, outstanding sentiment. Um, 2021, I think, for the recruitment industry was a blockbuster year. I think 2020, we went through the pandemic and obviously the industry experienced incredible challenges where the world had effectively stopped trading. And, you know, I think the industry was highly, highly affected. What that did, Mark, was create a lot of pent-up demand. And as a consequence of that, 2021 just bounced with people taking on staff, hiring more people. And I see 2022 starting very much the same. I've seen the results already and the figures for Q1 this year, and they are looking like they're continuing with the momentum from last year. So I think, as an industry, we are in absolutely good shape.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's been a crazy start to the quarter, first quarter 2022. All of our clients are reporting, you know, record, uh, you know, months at compared to any time in history. Some of our clients have been in business for 10, 20 years and they've never experienced anything like this. Um, How long do you think that can last? Surely that, you know, will run out of steam eventually.
0: I mean, I think as we know, you know, we as an industry, we operate in cycles and we have done, you know, I've been in the industry for nearly 30 years now and and it's never been different. It's the same, you know, it's cyclical. So I do absolutely believe uh, this is not going to last forever. And I think this is the time when we should make the most of the opportunity we have right now, because it, inevitably uh, it will cool down. And therefore, this is a great time, I think, to be building relationships with clients. So when the market does soften, that you have established those client relationships that will hopefully you know, keep you in good stead as the market softens. The only thing that I'm saddened by today, you know, is the events in Europe with Ukraine and Russia. As yes. we know, sometimes these events around the world, you know, geopolitical issues can have an impact, you know, on the global economy. And therefore, this is the kind of left field event that's come that I didn't expect. I didn't think it would happen. I was hoping and praying that we would resolve this issue, you know, politically. Um, but sadly, it not happened, you know, and Russia has invaded Ukraine and... That could set a whole series of different situations that, you know, today I can't anticipate. uh, But it does worry me that it potentially could have a negative impact on the global economy.
1: Absolutely, my sister-in-law is actually Ukrainian, so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with uh, her family in Kiev and um, the the citizens of the Ukraine. Um, And absolutely, like this is a kind of global event that is not predictable and that can have a knock on effect, but, um, listen, a lot, uh, I know you have some exciting things happening at Recruitment Entrepreneur. Could you maybe begin James by explaining what Recruitment Entrepreneur does, how you help ambitious recruiters to build scalable businesses? Sure. Um,
0: so, I can resonate with a lot of the entrepreneurs out there, Mark, because I used to be one of them myself. You know, as a young guy, I had an idea to want to build a recruitment business, but recognize that building and scaling a business, Mark, is not as easy as it seems. And just because you can build doesn't necessarily mean you can build a business. And you know, it took me 17 years to kind of learn and understand how you scale, how you attract talent, how you develop a career path for your people. To have a training and development culture, have a first-class back office, compliance, governance, banking, invoice discounting. So what I've learned is a lot of entrepreneurs want to build a business, but a lot of them just don't have the experience because working, you know, for somebody else, sometimes, you know, you've just mainly managed client relationships, but you've never had to deal with finance, you've never had to deal with back office, you've never had to develop consultants, you've never had to build a leadership team. So what recruitment entrepreneur was designed to do was reflect back on the challenges that I faced when I was building a business, and recognize that sometimes that kind of support can make the difference between the business being a boutique business, and a scalable business. So when I travel around the world, Mark, and I see that virtually in every country, there are 1000s of entrepreneurs who started their business. And today, there are three people or five people and they're boutiques. And I think globally the world is dominated by boutique recruitment businesses. But I also know that when those entrepreneurs started, they didn't start with the vision of being a boutique. They took a massive risk. They started out on their own with a view of growing and scaling something they could be proud of. So I think there's a there's a bottleneck and an opportunity around the world where entrepreneurs need that support to show them how to grow and scale and build personal wealth in their businesses. Most of the founders that I come across today generally, Mark, are under so they typically start with too little because the perception is the barrier of entry in the market is quite low. It's low if you're going to build a boutique, but actually, if you to scale the business, you really need proper capital. So what Recruitment Entrepreneur does, it not only provides capital, but it provides a world-class expertise to entrepreneurs to help them build and scale their business and create personal wealth. So it's trying to to buck that trend of not having the world dominated by boutiques, but actually having businesses that can scale and grow and build real value in what they're doing.
1: Fantastic, I love it. Um, You talked about a lot of, recruitment business startups are undercapitalized. Is there a formula uh, for knowing how much money do I need to build a business with scale in mind from the beginning? I think there is a
0: formula, and that formula, Mark, is called a business plan. I think what you need to do is sit with somebody professional and crystallize your vision. What am I trying to build? What kind of scale do I want to build? What market am I going to be in? How many consultants do I, will I need to scale? What am I going to pay those consultants? What's the remuneration structure? What kind of back office will I need? What kind of technology will I need? You know, how long does it take my clients to pay? So, you know, I have a very sophisticated investment team of advisors who work with my entrepreneurs. And we put together highly detailed, highly structured business plans that roll out that journey, roll out the vision that my entrepreneur has. And that generally throws up a number that, that's kind of the working capital needed to scale the business to that size once we understand what that capital number is we as recruitment entrepreneur provide that capital to the entrepreneur which is effectively his vision and his strategy to build that business to scale so he's not under he has the sufficient capital to achieve that ambition
1: Amazing. Could you perhaps give one or two examples of companies in your portfolio who've been tremendously successful uh, to sort of show how that works in practice? Sure.
0: Um, So I'll give a a live example, Mark. So we had a chap uh, called James Absalon, who was a young guy in his late 20s who had been in the recruitment business six years. And, you know, was a traditional guy, very good with clients, very good at billing, but woke up one morning and realized that that wasn't enough for him. He had a vision to want to build his own business. So he approached me at Recruitment Entrepreneur and said, look, you know, I want to start my own business, but I don't want to be a three-man business. I want to grow something of scale. I want to build a brand. I want to create something that I can be proud of as a business. So I need somebody to show me what kind of back office will I need? What kind of technology will I need? What kind of infrastructure will I need to support that? I need somebody to help me attract the quality of talent that I need to build my business. I need to put a leadership team together because I don't want the business just to be dependent on me. I want to see that there is a career path within the business that can show people how to grow. I need the right amount of capital to help me achieve that. I don't personally have that much capital, but I have some capital because I don't want to be an employee. I want to be a shareholder with you, James. I want to work side by side and I want the capital, but I want to run the business. I don't want to report to you. I want you to be a partner as an investor, but give me the bandwidth to run my business. That was exactly what the model of recruitment entrepreneur is. So we invested in James. We put together a highly detailed business plan. We put the investment in, and James launched his business with Recruitment Entrepreneur. In year one, he did quite well. His previous billings were around 220,000. With us at Recruitment Entrepreneur, he did 350 in the year, year one because of the coaching, the mentoring, but also because of the brand of Recruitment Entrepreneur enabled him to win more business than he would have done on his own. As a consequence of being part of our ecosystem and team, He had three really good people in year one. In year two, we hired a further four people. So he got to a team of seven in year three, we hired another four consultants. So we got to 11 by year five. He had 15 consultants, his revenues got to 5 million us and the business was making 2 million us a year profit. So what that kind of showed is the recruitment entrepreneur model did exactly what it said on the tin. He grew the business to scale. He was highly profitable. He was converting 40% of his net fee income into profitability. And during the journey in the last year, James personally billed 2 million US on his own desk. So we were able to coach, develop and mentor him to go from 220,000 a year billings to literally 2 million billings on his own desk. Um, And that was quite remarkable. One of the things that we're really proud of, Mark, is when we back an entrepreneur, we're not looking for that lifestyle business. We want the entrepreneur to create real value in his business. The business was effectively in the life sciences market. And we were approached by a U.S. company who happened to be in the life sciences market that were looking to expand into Europe. They were looking to acquire a business that will enable them to platform into Europe. Walter James, which was the brand that we invested in James with, you know, had a very high profile in the life sciences market. And they approached us and said, would you be interested in selling your business to enable us to create this platform into Europe? They looked at our business. Um, they hired Ernst & Young, who came in and did some due diligence uh, to verify its performance track record, et cetera. And they made us an offer of six times earnings Uh, which valued the business at 12 million uh, US dollars. And James as our partner, as our shareholder, you know, became a millionaire overnight. Within literally a five year period, you know, we took the business from effectively a startup, you know, to creating personal wealth, a recognized brand, you know, and a highly profitable business. We successfully sold the business three weeks ago and the transaction completed and today Walter James is part of ZRG, which is one of the fastest growing executive search businesses in the US. Um, It itself today does about 160 million in fee income and, and has a dominant brand in the life sciences market. So there's a really good example, a live example of a case study where there was a beginning, there was a middle and there was a realization event
1: wow that's a tremendous uh, story especially five years is a um i've seen companies do this in the recruitment space but often it's more like 10 years 15 years to uh, achieve something like that in
0: my experience and as you probably know mark I, I meet thousands of businesses all over the world the average to achieve that is 17 years so when i look okay, okay. around the yeah. world on average entrepreneurs take around between 15 and 20 years, the average is about 17 years to create the same. And I'm so proud that recruitment entrepreneur was able to do it three times faster. But what that really tells me is if you have the right infrastructure, if you're capitalized correctly, if you have the right coaching and the mentoring and If if I look back and you said to me, what was the one thing, James, that we did that enabled that to happen It's really about developing James, to take him from being a consultant to an entrepreneur, to a businessman. The five years of intensive coaching, developing and training James how to build the business, how to be a businessman, not just a biller, how to attract talent, how to retain talent, how to win business, how to grow to scale, how to have the right infrastructure around him. So I think most of our focus has all been around his development
1: absolutely um the business cannot grow beyond the founder the owner you know so in order for the business to grow then the owner needs to grow and develop as well um yeah so um regarding this example the 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 growth that you um explained was was fantastic um first of all how much um of the initial uh, startup uh, capital required, do you expect the individual to to bring to the table?
0: Every business, as you can probably imagine, Mark, is different. Every entrepreneur's vision is different. We allow the entrepreneur to own the level of stake that they're comfortable with. So they, for example, they, they have a vision to build a business, they have a business plan. And depending on, because We don't really invest in businesses, Mark. We invest in people and everyone's different. Everybody's vision is slightly different. So when that business plan is created using the vision and the numbers for the entrepreneur, it will require a certain amount of capital. Depending on the amount of capital that you need, we establish how much the founder wants to invest for his vision. And depending on the amount of capital he invests, he can own the percentage of the business that makes sense to him. So we have no limit, you know, so if he wants to own 50% of the company, wants 20% of the company, whatever number that he feels is right for him, we allow him to decide the level of equity he needs.
1: Makes total sense, absolutely. And um, I'm curious, you know, what was the uh, decision making like that this was the right time to do that deal rather than you know, continue growing Walter James for another five years and perhaps double you know, the, um, the valuation of the, of the business?
0: It's a great question, Mark. So that decision generally is a joint decision made um, by recruitment entrepreneur and the founder, but it's generally led by the founder because it's his business. You know, It's his vision, it's his strategy um so what we did in that particular instance we asked james to meet zrg meet the leadership team of zrg and most important to establish is there really chemistry between them you know in this transaction in this marriage between walter james and zrg are we creating a win-win will the combination of the two businesses enable james to accelerate his growth will it allow him to dominate the european market in the life sciences area because ZRG has a huge brand that has a massive customer base. Could James leverage that and take Walter James to another level? When he met the leadership team, when he looked at what the platform could be, he was incredibly inspired because his ambition was to take Walter James to to another level. So when he came back to me after his trip to the States and said, You know, ZRG is a world-class operation. They've got an incredible leadership team. Their customer base is second to none. When you bring the two businesses together, James, Walter James could be on a different trajectory and it's a deal I definitely want to do. Because of the enthusiasm of James, it then motivated us uh, to talk to the leadership team at ZRG and create a transaction that was a win for James. It was a win for ZRG. And it was a win for recruitment entrepreneur. So what I really was blown away by this deal, it was one of those classic, you know, win, win, and win again.
1: Beautiful. Um, if this is an American company, aren't they ZRG?
0: ZRG. They, but I'm British, remember, Mark. So <laughs> I'm going to stick to my ZRG.
1: Okay, no problem. I did a poll on LinkedIn recently to find out what fee percentage recruiters charge. And it confirmed what I'd learned from speaking with so many recruiters every day. The majority of recruiters are undervaluing their service and cutting their fees to become more competitive. Listen, if you want to protect your cash flow and build reserves to protect your business against whatever might happen in the future, you need to be earning more for each placement, not less. The challenge, of course, is how to increase your fees and still be competitive iintro has helped hundreds of recruiters to make small but critical adjustments to the way they pitch and win business, so they can win more clients who are also willing to pay higher fees. For example, one of their clients typically earned 5,000 pounds per placement, but just a few weeks after working with iintro, she won a new piece of business on a retainer, so in other words, she got a deposit, and her fee was an incredible £20,000, pounds, times her average. If you'd like to see how iIntro can help you to grow your recruitment business and increase your average fees, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained and book a free consultation. There's no obligation. And if you mention that you're a listener of the Resilient Recruiter podcast, iIntro have pledged to offer you a 25% discount off any of their services. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained to get started. Well, look, that nicely uh, brings us to... The next thing I'd like to talk to you about, which is your expansion into the US market. Um, I believe recruitment entrepreneur you've been extremely successful in the UK and and to some extent in in Europe. Um, why are you now setting your sights on the on the US?
0: Um, I think firstly, um, the US market is the largest recruitment market in the world. Um, you know our platform, I think, is unique. It does not exist in the US. So I think we're going into an entirely clean market. As you know, Mark, our industry is all about people. And I'm delighted that Doug Yuji, who is my partner at um, Humana International, is rejoining me. The team's coming back together. The band is being reassembled. Doug will be leading our charge in the US. And I think the combination of Doug running the US market we have of leading the UK market. You know, I think we have probably the most powerful team in the recruitment industry in the world. When Doug and I were together before with Humana, we started Humana from scratch. And we grew that to 147 offices in 30 countries. You know, we had an incredible journey. And Doug is a real visionary. He's got incredible work ethic. He understands the industry as well as anybody I know in the world and his passion, his desire, his drive to build something is second to none. So I have every confidence that the U.S. will be, you know, the biggest market opportunity for recruitment entrepreneur. And looking at what Abbott has created in the UK to replicate that success between the combination of Abbott and Doug, I think it's a marriage made in heaven.
1: I know them both and they're both, you know, Abbott is super smart guy. Doug is such a lovely, generous, knowledgeable person, huge energy. Um, so you've definitely built a, a dream team there. What do you see as being the, I suppose, the unique opportunities and challenges of presented by the US market compared to the UK market? I mean,
0: I think every market will be uniquely different, Mark. Um, no market we find is the same. But we have tested the market, we have researched the market and the thing that inspires us, is there is no other model like recruitment entrepreneur in the States. The market needs somebody that believes in entrepreneurs, that has the platform to show them how to scale. The US is such a huge market that scale is the key driver. What we found from all of our research, Mark, is the US market literally is dominated by three to five man boutiques. Our model is absolutely well positioned for that market. And the experience that we bring, the track record that we bring, the expertise that we bring. And when we truly have a world class leadership team that works with entrepreneurs, it's not just Abbott or just Doug. There is a team of 27 seasoned professionals, all with between 10 to 15 years experience in the industry, all that have built and scaled businesses, you know, people who have been there and sold businesses. So when we launch in the US, we'll surround our entrepreneur, not just with Doug or Abid, but an entire team of experts from marketing to sales, to HR, to finance, to talent attraction, technology, branding, marketing, social media. So when the entrepreneur launches, his management team from day one looks world-class. So he has all the resources to take and navigate him through that journey to enable him to achieve the success that he so desires with the investment he's making alongside with
1: us. Fantastic. Um, We've in, in our uh, coaching business, we've probably got about 50% of our members are us based. And then the remainder are either mostly British and then a few European companies. And what I've noticed is that the UK market seems much more saturated and it there's more dominance by a few larger uh, players in the recruitment industry. uh the u s market it seems like they're just their economy has many many more mid-sized companies, and there's also so much more startups with funding that it seems like uh just a tremendous uh opportunity there, um, as well as the fact that on average salaries tend to be higher, therefore fees tend to be bigger. Um, What other differences when when you're doing your research? What else have you observed? uh, Kind of being the key differences between the US and the UK market?
0: Um, I think the number of people I think available, I think there are much more vertical markets in the US than I'm familiar with, you know, everything is a niche, you know, specialism dominates the market there. I think there's a lot more passion about ownership, you know, and, and Entrepreneurship, as you rightly said, you know, you've got the kind of Silicon Valley, you know, the whole concept of startups and entrepreneurship, I think is much more prevalent. What I feel, what I see is the U.S. has lots and lots of capital available, but it doesn't have the expertise. And where I think the gap exists in the U.S. market is there isn't what I call smart capital. I think what entrepreneurs need in the U.S is somebody that that they can work with, a platform, an ecosystem that shows them how to do it. What we found in the UK, Mark, is capital is a very small part of the ingredient to scale a business. And I think people have realized that, both in the US and the UK, because 75% of the industry, Mark, never gets beyond seven to 10 people. And there's an underlying message there that it's much harder than people think. People's perception is Absolutely. that if I had the capital, I could do it. What the market shows is actually, even with the capital, why is it the 75% never get beyond that? Because the, the expertise that you need to grow beyond that, the leadership team you need in the business to help you grow, the training culture that you need within the business, the, the platform, the governance, the infrastructure... I think people underestimate the impact that those things have because they're vital for scales.
1: Absolutely. That can be the only conclusion is um, it's a lack of that knowledge. People just simply don't know how to get from here to, to here. Um, what's the M&A market for recruitment like in the U.S. compared to the U.K.? Because here it's, there's a very established um, M&A, culture. You know, M&A, market. M&A market. Yeah. Um, whereas in the U S is there as much, are there as many of these sorts of deals that, that happen where either PE firms or, uh, companies are buying, you know, search or or staffing businesses?
0: I think there is definitely a market for, in the U S but what we are doing is recruitment entrepreneur is not just expanding in the U S you know, in the next 20 months, we plan to be in 20 countries. So we are launching in the US, we're launching in Canada, we're launching in Australia, we're launching in Hong Kong, we're launching in Japan, we're launching in Germany. We will be in the next 20 months. We've already launched in Spain. We're launching, we launched Spain in January. We launched the US with Doug in January. We're launching Canada in March. We're launching Japan in April. We're launching Hong Kong in March. So in the first quarter of this year, we will be physically in five countries. By the first half of this year, we will be in 11 countries. By the end of this year, we plan to be in 17 countries. Within the first 20 months of our launch, we will be in 20 countries. So our vision, Mark, is to become the world's largest investor in recruitment businesses across the globe. We will dominate the space. So in when you're looking to invest in a recruitment entrepreneur, we will be the go-to brand around the world. Our vision is to have the largest ecosystem of entrepreneurs in the world. And therefore I don't see the exit of our entrepreneurs just to be in their countries. So I think what will happen is we'll back an entrepreneur in the U.S. and let's say he's in financial services. I think we'll have a buyer from Hong Kong that will want to expand his platform in the U.S. market and he will want to acquire business. I think we'll have a business in Australia that will be acquired by a UK business that wants to move into the legal market. So I feel the opportunity within recruitment entrepreneur is not just to exit a more local market, but actually to do cross-border transactions, because every country that I've been in, every entrepreneur and every business, they want to expand internationally. There's an underlying view that we are in a global village, that the world is one global market. And if you want to dominate your space, you need to be international. And I think recruitment entrepreneur will foster businesses throughout the world. And I see transactions being done cross border. So I think we're not relying just on U- U.S. businesses being acquired by U.S. companies. I think a lot of our U.S. businesses will be acquired by either European players, players in Asia.
1: Interesting. I. I... Your vision is fantastic. How have you chosen those particular countries to, um, to focus on? Um, because of my experience with both Alexander
0: Mann and with Humana International, I've been in each of those markets. I know each of those markets well. I've had businesses in those countries. I know the environment. I know the culture. I know the governance. So I'm very familiar with each of those territories. And through the research that we conducted, the countries that we've identified are the countries that are already dominated by recruitment players around the world. So the Michael Pages, the Hayes, et cetera. So we know that there is an established need for the product. We know that there are a number of entrepreneurs you know, who are already in those markets with boutique businesses. And what we're finding, Mark, which you know is quite encouraging, that not only are we attracting startups, but we're actually attracting those businesses with 3 to 5 people saying you know can we join recruitment entrepreneur because we've got a we've got a business but we just are not scaling it we're undercapitalized we need more capital but what we need is that expertise to attract the talent to grow so i see that 50% of the entrepreneurs that we will be attracting will be existing entrepreneurs with businesses that want to build value What those entrepreneurs have found is they earn a living. It's a lifestyle business. But the truth is they build no intrinsic value in the business because the business is entirely dependent on them. And what we found with a lot of these entrepreneurs is the vast majority of the revenue is either dominated by the founder or by a handful of clients, which basically means the business doesn't really have a value. So already in Australia, the first deal we plan to do is with an existing business with eight people and, you know, it's making 200,000 a year profit, um, which is enough for a lifestyle for the founder, but he wants to build 2 million profit. He wants to replicate the success of Walter James. So that probably will be our first transaction. In Hong Kong, we're talking to uh, a founder that's looking to launch and start a business. In Japan, we're looking with an existing business. Um, In Thailand, we've already backed an entrepreneur who's launched his business with us in January. In Germany, we've got somebody in executive search who's been in the market for 20 years, knows the market really well, has tried to do it himself, hasn't been able to scale, is coming on board with us. So already we're seeing, within the first quarter, inquiries from all over the world, people recognising that the recruitment entrepreneur philosophy, brand, infrastructure and ecosystem could unlock their
1: potential. Amazing. James, um, can we talk a bit uh, about creating value, uh, which is something with, that a boutique or a solo practitioner doesn't really have? Um, because without them, there is there is no business, right? Um, one of the keys that I've noticed is that, for example, in the U.S. market, there seems to be this very um, – there's a partition between – The search businesses and what they call staffing, which is uh, a lot of sort of temporary and and contract uh, and that sort of thing. And the two rarely are found under the same roof, whereas in the UK, we've recognized these are complementary um, divisions or or aspects that can be uh, found within one business. Uh, so it would seem to me that one way of adding value to a, a, a US-based scale-up would be to make sure that they are capitalizing on contract, interim, temp, these sorts of things. Are there other sort of, uh, in your secret sauce, are there other key things that you uh, do to create value within your portfolio businesses?
0: Yeah, so I think that the first thing is, Mark, we don't back markets, we don't back sectors. We don't back products. We back people, and that has been the mantra of my entire working life, and it's never failed me yet. I think you're right. The U.S. is slightly more, you know, polarized in that sense. You're either search or you're staffing or you're interim. In the UK, in our uh, roster of 27 entrepreneurs we backed, we do staffing, we have search, we have contingent, we have interim, and we have RPO. So we have backed people across the board. And what we have found is because they're part of one family structure of an entrepreneur, they're now starting to cross-sell and introduce clients to each other. So, you know, my search business has introduced an incredibly good client to my RPO business because they placed the CEO and he was looking for an RPO product. We've done some really good work in the interim market you know, where we've been able to cross sell to other businesses. So what we're finding is that the revenue lines are going up because as founders start to collaborate together, because we run a number of different coaching sessions for founders collectively. And that gives them the opportunity to interact and build relationships. And they start resonating with each other because they're along the same journey. And as they build these relationships, they start working closer together. I think if I look at what is the secret source? I think the secret source of our success is our brand today attracts some of the best talent in the market. And if you are a founder looking to start a business, you know, and I know the single factor to success and scale is having the ability to attract the right people. What recruitment entrepreneur does time and time again is demonstrate that our founders as part of recruitment entrepreneur are in a position to attract the best talent, and that is what creates scale. The second thing that our founders have experienced is because of the scale and the size of our business today, the business is already doing over 100 million a year. We've already got maybe 300 people within the portfolio. So actually, when they go and visit clients, they're not representing themselves as a three-man business. They are part of one of the largest and most successful businesses in the world. And therefore, clients get confidence that they're dealing with somebody that has the resources and the infrastructure to deliver the service they're looking for. So the quality of business we win as recruitment entrepreneur is bigger. We win more volume than you probably would have got if you were a boutique founder. So the combination of attracting people and winning more business leads them to scale the business much faster.
1: So the... The quality and number of clients that uh, your entrepreneurs are able to attract is, is definitely a f- huge factor. I think so many companies re- are over-reliant on a small number of, of, uh, of clients, and um, it's, it's a vulnerability. Have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugie to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back-office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in Venture Capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. The deals that you've been involved in, James, what have been the other things that you've worked on in order to help enhance the value of those businesses, uh, prior to some kind of, uh, exit event.
0: So I think number one is making sure that you've got a, st- uh, a, stable workforce. As we know in the recruitment industry, you have quite a lot of churn. So making sure that when we attract quality people, Mark, we keep them. And how do we keep them by consistently investing in them, training them, developing them, coaching them, What we found is as people learn, as they develop, they become more successful, they build more, they go up the food chain, they start doing more and more senior level appointments, their fee structures go up. And if you've got somebody who feels like he's developing, he's learning, and he's being successful, and he's earning very good money, they tend to stay with you. So I think that learning and development culture is vital in all of the entrepreneurs and the businesses we back. I think having a very clear customer strategy and teaching our entrepreneurs how to develop their brand and develop their business in their vertical market so they become a dominant player in the vertical market they operate in, that enables them to win more business and then to take the business global. We're trying to encourage our founders not just think domestically but to think internationally because their clients are not just looking for talent in the US. They have you know, operations in Asia, Europe, etc. So to try and enable, you know, the the founders to, to trade on a cross-border basis with their partners, you know, across the globe. So one of the reasons why we want to develop a global platform is to follow our customer base and be able to continue to develop. I think when we look to sell the business, we know that what the buyer is looking for is he wants to see scale. He doesn't want an over-reliance on revenue to any one individual. He doesn't want to buy a business that's dependent on one or two customers. So it's making sure that the businesses have a clean and and cross section of customers where the revenue is very balanced. The buyer is looking for a quality leadership team within the business. It wants to know that the business is not going to depend on the founder because if the founder catches a cold, we don't want the business to fall over so we've got to build a leadership team you know and some succession planning around the founder the buyer wants to buy or invest in a business that's got a brand it's got a following you know it's visible in the market it has a track record of following the buyer absolutely needs to find and believe that it's been run well from a governance perspective you know it pays its taxes it reports its accounts it's Got its audit in place, it's got good banking relationships. So that infrastructure, that that kind of back office, that finance, that technology, you know, the contracts, the agreements, and all of those things have to stand up to severe due diligence because buyers want to make sure that there's there are no surprises. So making sure that the infrastructure that you have built, you know, is solid, it needs to make sure that the brand attracts good talent because The thing that a lot of founders I think consistently forget is when a buyer comes along, if the business is currently doing 2 million, the buyer has to believe that this business has the platform to grow to four. So if you can't show consistent growth, there is no multiple available. You only get a multiple of earnings dependent on your growth trajectory. So we've got to be able to build businesses in markets where we can show buyers this growth we're not selling at the top of the market you know the business will be able to go from 2 million EBIT to 4 million EBIT and we can demonstrate that by the growth of customer base by the growth of, of the individuals how the business will consistently look to attract more and what we have found is where we cannot demonstrate consistent growth there is no transaction because nobody wants to buy a business that's flat because if the buyer, for example, in Walter James' case, they wrote a check for 12 million, the question for them is how do they make a profit? How do they get that 12 million to become 20 million? The only way to do that is by demonstrating growth. So what we tend to do is every year we work with our founders you know, on market, on strategy, on customer development, and on growth to make sure that they're thinking that way all the way through their journey. So when they get to that realization event, they can demonstrate to the investor, the buyer, that the business has a continued success trajectory. It has a continued future that the event when the transaction happens is not the end of the journey, it's the beginning of chapter
1: two. Well said, that makes total sense. Um, and. Of course, you highlighted that one of the keys to d- achieving that growth is attracting talent. And ironically, this is challenging even for recruitment business owners. <clears throat> um, it's probably the number one recurring topic that I hear from my clients who are on this uh, mission to grow is, um, you know, it's just so hard to find and attract good people. And especially, in fact, I saw a article um i think it was wall street journal or it was either harvard business review i think or wall street journal saying that one of the fastest growing professions and also the one which is proving to be a, there's a real talent shortage isn't just in tech it's actually of recruiters that uh, in america right now uh the demand for recruiters and that's including internal you know recruitment teams uh, is so high that it's there's this real battle to get good people I'm seeing clients who's have spent a couple of years developing and training their team from scratch they've taken a rookie they've gotten them performing really well and then a large tech company will come in and headhunt their top performers away and you know offer them huge basic salaries as uh, as you know internal talent um, acquisition folks what um what are you doing with your portfolio companies to help them with that talent attraction because it's kind of like like as an example, we had a conversation in our mastermind group the other day where the we've got clients in new york atlanta um, l a and they were saying like the salaries for a rookie recruiter straight out of university, no track record, no you know, evidence that they're necessarily going to be successful in recruitment. You know, they're looking at $50,000, $60,000 base salaries with commission on on top, um, which feels like a bit of a risk, you know, on someone that, you know, has no track record. W- what's. Um, I think what's it's called, the called supply here? and demand,
0: Mark. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. That, that, that's really a symptom and a factor that right now supply is limited and demand is really high, mm-hmm. and therefore wage inflation. Yeah, yeah. You are seeing just creeping up to to, you know quite a high level at the moment, which is absolutely what I'm seeing too. There is an incredible shortage. I think at the end of the day, we are recruiters. It's what we do for a living. And I think what we've done at Recruitment Entrepreneur is consistently develop our kind of owners and founders on the tactics and strategies on how to attract that talent. I think that. Just because you can do it for a client doesn't necessarily mean you can do it for yourself. And we probably spend a disproportionate of our time in training and developing our founders on how to do that. And each year, if you look at the growth rate of recruitment entrepreneur, you know we've gone from 80 to 130 to 170 to 200. Each year we're growing the portfolio, which is the recruiters joining our businesses Because I think our founders, you know, are better than the market. They are trained extremely well, they focus on it, they're good at it, but also they use the platform. Now, obviously, as you can imagine, there's a big difference between sitting in a service office with three people, trying to attract a big biller, because what are you really offering the individual? You know, because he can literally go anywhere. Whereas if he comes to recruitment entrepreneur, you know, the opportunity, the infrastructure, the training, the development, the brand, the internationalization, the opportunity to work abroad, the opportunity to, to, to execute and deliver clients on a cross border basis. You've got to make sure that you've got to sit back and say, what is my offering in order to attract that talent? You know, good talent wants something real. They want something exciting, want something different. Now, Boutiques cannot offer that. So I think what we are seeing, we are leading March because we're offering something exciting and dynamic to the entrepreneurs and to the consultants, which is why, you know, every year we attract between 30 to 50 experienced consultants who join our portfolio businesses.
1: And that's where they're seeing the growth. Amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. What is the offering? You know, what are you going to... Do to attract people to your business and and if it 's just a boutique with three to five people or even ten people um, you know there 's so many businesses like that you know you have to have something different, something special that you can um, you can use um, what 's the mix of the 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 number of consultants joining recruitment entrepreneur companies um, what 's the mix of experience versus uh, new recruiters joining those companies. Good question, Mark.
0: Currently 86% of the people who join recruitment entrepreneur are experienced people and 14% are people that we're training from scratch. What we find is when you're a small entrepreneur and you've got a small business, the amount of time Mark, that it takes to train somebody, you know, is actually quite a lot. And the founder is trying to manage his own client base. He's managing his team. He's managing his people. And we find smaller businesses do not probably have the bandwidth to spend on training and development. But if you're Hayes, if you're Michael Page and you've got this entire department, you know, training where you can bring on new people. And, you know, I think Michael Page, you know, give their people six to 12 months of training and development in their graduate training scheme. You can do that as a big company. I'm just not sure that you can provide the level of training that somebody new in the business needs when you're a boutique. So which is why I think 86% of our businesses typically will pay a bit more, but they will attract the experienced people. We know it's not easy, but it can be done. And our stats show that year in, year out, we have seen headcount growth in our portfolio businesses every year, even in the pandemic, we were hiring.
1: Fantastic. That's worth the price of admission right there. That's a really golden nugget. Um, Of course, yeah, as a founder who you're trying to grow and you're billing, your time is, you know, really the limiting factor there. So if you can uh, acquire talent who already have a track record and and clients and so on, then that's massive. Then again, of those 86% experienced, are they coming from the same vertical market and just making a lateral move? Or are they experienced recruiters in a different market who were able to attract by saying, look, this is a better market, It's there's more growth, uh, et cetera. Like, are you looking for just experience or are you looking for experience plus clients?
0: I think typically what we find is in the main, we take people from the same vertical market that they're going to build, you know, their career in, Mm -hmm. there are circumstances, and I see this quite a lot, where the marketplace that the consultant happens to be in, you know, probably, let's say he's in hospitality, and that right now is struggling, and therefore he wants to, you know, switch into a different market sector. It doesn't happen very often. Most of our businesses tend to take people from sectors, you know, where they have knowledge, expertise, and confidence. Um, so we don't see... I would say 70% will be directly from the market that they're operating in. And that seems to be where most consultants continue to grow, you know, recognizing that that's where their expertise lies.
1: So the the obvious downside there is you've got someone who's used to doing things in a certain way. They come from a different culture. Um, how do you indoctrinate them and get them absorbed into your culture so that they are uh doing things in the in the in the way you want them to do
0: um i think that's where we we focus on training and development you know and our leadership and development coaching program where you know it's it's at the heart and thrust of what we do you know training and developing our people to me is the holy grail you know yes. i want to take somebody that's building 200 a year I want to get them to building half a million a year. I want to take the consultant who's doing half a million and get him to a million. You know, if I take Walter James and I take James Absalom, you know, we took him from 200 to 350, 700 to a million to 1.3, you know, to last year, 2 million. It can be done. It's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. You know, you've got to be relentless in terms of your quest for knowledge. You've got to be driven to levels of excellence. You've got to be able to want to learn, and you know, it is being done. And we're very confident. Yeah. I think people within Recruitment Entrepreneur, when they saw the consistent improvement in James's performance, you know, they understood that it's there to be done. The only barrier is your own desire and determination to want to get to the next level. We certainly have the culture, the environment, the techniques, the tactics, the strategies and the training to support.
1: And that's where I feel we have the edge. Beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, I guess anyone you hire needs to have that desire to learn, to grow, to improve, to perform. Uh, So that's a prerequisite. And then you plug them into your platform and give them that opportunity. James, if there's a listener who is either in that startup or scale up phase, maybe they've got a small boutique firm, uh, but they want to really scale and create personal wealth. What is the first step for them to find out more about Recruitment Entrepreneur?
0: I think the first thing they can do is just simply reach out to me, reach out to Doug Bugie, reach out to Abid, contact Recruitment Entrepreneur. You know, we are open for business. We are open for business all over the world. You know, it's not just in the UK or the US. You know, we will back entrepreneurs in every country in the market. Initially, you know, like everything, it's, it's having a conversation. Um, it may not be right for everybody, but we feel very passionately that we have the ingredients to take an entrepreneur, whether he wants to start his business or he has an existing business, to that place where he can scale it, he can grow it, and he can build a brand he can be proud of. He can build a legacy, something that is sustainable that he wakes up in the morning. It's a real business. It's not a boutique and that's what we're about. And I think contact me, contact Abid, contact Doug. We'd love to talk to you. We're open for business. We want to invest in the right people and we wanna take people through that journey where they can grow something and be proud of what they've achieved.
1: Beautiful. And we'll make sure that all those, uh, your Doug and Abid's uh, details are in the show notes. James, I love this conversation. Thank you again. It was Marvelous a Time up always with you. flies
0: when you and I are in dialogue.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I look forward to doing this in person one of these days. Um, so, yeah, uh, excited to see the next chapter of Recruitment Entrepreneur. Thanks very much.
0: Pleasure being there. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a lovely day.
1: Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview. Recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the Resilient Recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things specifically i'm looking for someone with a great story to tell someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners in the words of previous guests john coxson and alex elliott i'm looking for someone with humble confidence they could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast-growing firm maybe that person is you or maybe it's someone you know, send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.